I'm Mary Spicer, and thank you for joining me for today's episode of Behind Fashion. In this unprecedented time, the fashion industry, like so many industries, is in distress. I created this series so that we could work together and support each other as we move forward in this new fashion world. Over the next few weeks, I will introduce you to many people behind the scenes, directors, designers, producers, and casting agents. With a virus that discourages the interaction of people and the touching of clothing, what does the future hold for the fashion industry and how are our roles changing? I look forward to collaborating and sharing our ideas and journeys as we move forward in this new world. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce all of you to David Milosevic, casting director. David Milosevic attended Kent State University in Ohio for advertising. Upon graduation, David went to Manhattan and worked for about a year at Legends very briefly. Hi, David. I'm glad you're here. Hey there. How are you? <laughs> and, and really so glad because I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, your background. You were at Legends for about a year. You left, um, you were there in 1983 and you left work for Click in 1984, is that correct? Correct, yes. Okay, and you were at Click for about five years. Yeah, right, till 89, right, yep. Yeah, and then after that, you, and, and can I just talk about, wow, what a different world, 83, 84, 89, I mean, <laughs> than it is today, and then um, you went to work. No phones, no computers, no fax machines. Even in the beginning, it was telexing. Yeah, it was very different. Correct. Wow. I wish we had cameras for that. But after that, you went to Next Model, uh, Next as a model manager. Correct. Okay. And then eventually, there at Next, you became the VP of the women's division. Yes, right. Wow. And you were there for how long? Um, I next opened in 89. I came, they had been open for two weeks and I left in 2004. So yeah, 14 years, no, 2003. So 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Two weeks they'd been open and you got right in there. That's amazing. Yeah, right from the ground up. Yep. <laughs> and from there you went out on your own and started Milo Casting. Yeah, yeah, David Milo casting, right? David Milo casting, correct. Yes. Okay, so I'm actually still doing your bio, but I just, I had to discuss these positions in more detail because, you know, there's a lot involved to them. We're going to get in a little bit further, but with your company, David Milo casting now, um, street casting is a big part of your company's repertoire, which I love. Can you quickly tell me what street casting is? What does that so, mean? So you could call it street or real people casting. It's kind of, you know, both. But I mean, sometimes it is exactly as it says. It's you get out on the street and you walk the streets. I mean, you have sort of a breakdown of what a client might be looking for. And um, you start walking the streets of New York City, because that's where we are, trying to find people to fulfill certain roles. And you're kind of approaching strangers that you feel might be uh, good candidates to present to the client and, you know, explain what it's all about. And um, I mean, the thing about New York is it's New York. So there's such a great diversity of, of people just walking the street, number one, because it's a, 
a city that you do walk in and um, you know, people are more open to it. I don't know, you know, if I was out in um, Ames, Iowa or, or a smaller town where people weren't as accustomed to these sorts of things, how what the reaction would be. But, um, you know, people usually, you can get them in and list, they listen and you talk and explain. It's great. It's fun. And that way you can find people that truly match the client, what they're looking for, because many times it's a lifestyle or um, something that you're looking for. Uh, I'm going to continue with your bio. You've cast models for um, ad campaigns like Adidas, Banana Republic, Chapstick, Diane von Furstenberg, and um, you've done a few of hers. I know you did the holiday, but this is a photo of Carly Kloss. And I think that was, um, was it Be Yourself, Be You, Be Yourself? I can't remember really. That was a few years ago. I don't, I, yeah. I really don't. Yeah, the production team is the, the ones that hired me to do the casting for that. Yeah. That's really wonderful. You also worked um, with Express several times. One of your shoots was with Natasha Polly, and here's yeah. a photo of her for Express. Yeah. <laughs> Just fantastic. Um, anybody listening on a podcast or watching, if you want to see videos, we're going to go into that a little bit more. These are a couple photos, and you can find those anywhere of Carly Kloss for Diane von Furstenberg. Um, but as we go along, I'll let you know what videos are on the YouTube channel for you to watch. You've also worked with Express Men, um, La Mer, Lucky Brand, Maybelline, Newly, Re Ink, Target Cat and Jack Launch, Tommy Hilfiger, and Whole Foods. <clears throat> You've also casted for designer fashion shows such as Beau Sedan, DeVoe, New York, John Elliott, Monique Lullier, Pas de Calais, Perry Ellis, Steve Aoki Dimmock, and we have talked about this quite a bit. Um, we do have a video on the YouTube of this. And he was, he did a show in New York, but not in a venue. He was out on a street, wasn't he? The, the show was out on the street. It was on, it was in the summer. I can't remember. I think it was like 2017. And it was, um, it was on Broadway and 4th Street. And um, he brought in this uh, group of young percussionists, I think, of, of, you know, they all played percu primarily percussion instruments and they were sort of like marching down the runway and then the models came. It was, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Of fun. There were a lot of people there because you oh, yeah. and a couple yeah. thousand probably. I, I mean, it was crowded. It was packed. It's hard. I mean, you know, when you're outside, it's hard to know how many people specifically, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a great show. I think he followed yeah, the it. The models were wonderful. The models were wonderful in game. It was it was a really fun show. That is, I love that. And then um, you've also cast for Tadashi Shoji, Tao Ray Wong, and I've put up a video of a couple of those shows as well. People have to understand that this is some some of these are several years with these companies, um, various campaigns and fashion shows. Um, you've also cast for fashion uh, fashion school shows like Pratt Institute. And you've cast for um, magazines such as The Culture Crush, Elle Germany, Glamour, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, The Knot, Lucky, Marie Claire Italia, New York Magazine, Stella Magazine, which I think was The Telegraph. Is that correct, David? Yeah, I think when I did it, it was called The London Telegraph or something. Yeah. Daily Telegraph. Yeah. <laughs> Vogue Arabia, Vogue Hong Kong. Vogue Taiwan and I have I did not keep listening because we have a lot to talk about. You are yeah, so very yeah. interested. On and on and on. <laughs> we really could yeah. behind fashion. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for inviting me.
even now you're still busy and uh, not you know incredibly busy but you are busy and i do appreciate you taking the time and i'd like to cheers you to your your opening your business um years ago but still you know and all of your successes <laughs> thanks David. virtual right there we go little plug, little plug for mary behind fashion there you go hmm <laughs> oh and really it's just a break for water too for all of us because we're mm -hmm. gonna we're going to get cooking along here. Now, going back to your job with Click in 1984, can you please explain to me what a model agent does? Right. So, you know, they assume a lot of different roles, but ultimately they become the one that are in many ways the guiding force behind um, launching a career for a model. Um, if you're, you know, dealing with newer talent and development, oftentimes you have to really um, work on developing their portfolio by getting a lot of test photographs up, um, presenting, getting the models presentable too, and a little bit more of a, a broader understanding of how the business works, how to present yourself when you meet various clients, um, and then putting them out in front of the clients, whether it be through go sees with, you know, photographers who could open doors for them, magazines who could begin to hire them and of course, you know, create an awareness of them. And then, you know, commercial and money clients who can help um, sustain them too. So you really guide them along those pathways. And then as the career continues to develop, depending on where it goes and depending on the mindset of the model, you know, you kind of start to make decisions about what jobs seem correct for them and, and allow, allow them to perpetuate and further their career or, you know, some jobs maybe on occasion, you just have to say no to. It could be not the right job at that time for them. Um, and you become that ear piece that they can talk to and share with. And, and you know, you, you try to cultivate and develop relationships, you know, um, I mean, they're business relationships, but there's a personal side to those relationships as well because they need to feel connected. Um, and they need to know that you're there behind them and trusting and, and looking out for their best interests on many, many levels. Right. So, and that a lot, takes a lot, lot, of, lot of different, you know, hands. Yeah. And it takes a lot of people skills on your part to understand maybe sometimes they, they tend to be young uh, sometimes and you need to see if, if there's something going on and then a tactful way to find out what's happening. How can I help you? Um, you know, if they're feeling frustrated or what have you with the business, which can happen. Yeah. Keep the spirit. You need, I mean, it's very much, you have to have a very open line of communication with them and be, you know, they have to be able to talk to you and share with you and, and, you know, the better, the better we are communicating with one another as an agent to model, the more successful our relationship will be. Right. And yeah. some model managers, um, do quite a lot with their models. If, if this is maybe, let's say, a, um, a high profile model, maybe they um, go to the photo shoots. Is that what they're doing now? I and think, yeah, I think that's that more, yeah. When I left, that was just, be, I mean, beginning to become a little bit more prevalent. Like I know that we would travel to, um, we would go during the shows. We would often go to the shows and be there backstage with them hanging out and sometimes even traveling to Europe, depending on the, you know, the model. I find now, yeah, more and more agents will even come to the shoots and the sets and remain there, um, maybe as a buffer or a protector sometimes for the model to the client. You know, I, I think this is more prevalent now than it was when I was. So they're very involved. 
hundred percent. Wow. And so it, when I say a high profile model, I think that's different from let's say maybe 89, 90. Is that when we still had the supermodels? Um, well, that term is still used to identify certain models. I don't know, you know, I think it might be even a little overused, but you know, high profile could be a fair, you know, a fair way to describe, yes. Yeah, sometimes they're it girls or very large on um, social media or what have you. Do you think that this is going to be something that will no longer happen? Maybe they're gonna curb some of that as people try to slim down on um, budget or trying to make things, do you think everybody's going to try to make it a little more eco-friendly where they're traveling less as managers or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all from what I, you know, speaking to agents right now, it's kind of like a story that's unfolding. Um, I know that there are a lot of girls that are currently in Europe that are not able to come back into the country at the moment. Um, but the ones that are here are starting to work again. Um, I do think the productions for photo shoots are being tailored towards uh, addressing COVID. So they're much um, tighter and leaner productions with less people for sure. Um, mm. I wonder, you know, I mean, there are those that are still willing to travel and do travel. So I, I don't know, it's hard, to, it's hard to know. It's hard to I, say. Yeah, I think if you're, like you said, that high profile model, they're gonna travel, they're gonna be wanted at, the the various well then but then that's up to the model if they feel comfortable you know doing it i mean some some may say i'm okay to get on a plane and do it and some may say right now i just don't feel comfortable so again it's it's a very individual thing you know yeah you know in 2007 2008 um the discussion started in italy that the models were becoming too thin and unhealthy um the cfda um, also came in and, and agreed, and they put in some of what they su were suggested standards, you know, no models under 16, um, how, to, um, how to identify um, eating disorders, anorexia, nervosa, things like that, um, and promote healthy eating habits. Did you pay attention to those things in the 80s, or is that just something that's more recent? No, I, I think... So going from an agent even into a casting director, it was it existed in the 80s as well as the 90s. Um, some of it became more prevalent. Um, I feel that from where I, I can only speak from where, where I sat as an agent and the people I worked with, I think there was always a real genuine concern if we saw somebody um, really becoming noticeably too thin and perhaps having problems, you know. So we would always try to speak to them and address address things you know um it was a, and also when i started in the very beginning i mean really in the early 80s you know girls were like size uh, it was a size six eight but more six and then it was like four six the standard and then it was like two fours you know that it just kept going smaller and smaller and also i think there was a lot of interest in um very young girls um, and that was also a big issue, which is now kind of really stopped and has been, you know, feet down to that too. Um, you know, girls that are 14 and 15 have different bodies than girls that are 19, 20, 21. And sometimes a girl at 14 or 15 has a particular body that for whatever reasons was fitting the clothes so perfectly and the stylists were so happy and those girls were working a lot. And then as they got a little older and they became the body of a typical woman, or even then some of those girls are 
you know, super superpowers or whatever with their bodies. But, um, you know, if they got hips and curved out a little and suddenly things weren't fitting and, you know, it just was that weird thing. But a lot of that was driven by, um, you know, more so by stylists and, 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 and um, the magazine world, you know, the top tier kind of power players. I always said the agencies were really just suppliers of talent and we were trying to meet the demands that were requested of us. And so if we didn't have that girl um, or that, you know, that, that, that was fitting and we, the feedback we were getting, we were trying to find that girl that would be right and would fit with those clients were demanding in those times, during those times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're asking for it. And, and then I think sometimes maybe um, saying something to the models, then they start internalizing oh, yeah. and, and sure. they start eating less. I know just during fashion week, and I'm just going to say this on the side, is that the girls are going all day. People need to understand they're running from place to place to place. I'm always putting out candy or or bars or water because they, they think that these couple things are going to be okay. And then all of a sudden they're they're waiting for go see for, you know, three hours and they've run out of food. So I think just the stress and the go, go, go-ness of previously fashion week, um, definitely the girls that were already thin got almost painfully thin just within a couple days. Um, so there's a lot more awareness of that and just saying to them, you know, I, I think you're stressed. I, I think you need to eat a little bit more. <laughs> and I think clients' attitudes and perceptions have started to change somewhat. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not sure that everyone, you know, is, is, is quite as aware, but um, I, I think there's definitely, and thanks to the CFDA, a, a much um, more committed and stronger awareness to, you know, recognizing these things. Cause you know, it, it's just not right. It's not right. good. It's not right. It's not healthy. So yeah. And the audience is, is, is asking for more sizes, people that look like us, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. We don't necessarily need such the tall, thin model as in the past. Now in 1989, you moved from click to next and you started off as a model manager there, but then you eventually became the VP of the women's division. Mm -hmm. And, and what did, what was your role there? What, what does that mean? What are you doing? Well, at that? I just think, you know, as a VP, you probably are getting more and more involved in the big broader picture, the scope of, of long-term, what we're going to do, how this is going to, um, you know, how this is going to evolve, um, what we hope to see, you know, bigger picture. You, you, I mean, I'm still dealing with various individual models and talent as well, but also, you know, involved on a broader scale. So you are sending out maybe casting agents or suggesting things or? Yeah, but I, I, I still did like a lot of the day-to-day the -day things that an agent would do, but I was also involved in conversations with the, um, the owners about the, you know, the broader scope of the agency as a whole and what, what we were doing and where it was going and you know, just reporting a putting back like, you know, about more things than, you know, they were broader and, and maybe rather than just one little this girl, that, that girl, this, it was the big picture. Now, when you started at Next, um, like you said, it was just a couple weeks in. Mm -hmm. How did it grow over your Oh, yeah. So, right, right. So when I first started, we probably had like about 12 to 15 working models. And, um, you know, they were all, you know, kept pretty busy. And I, I remember one day looking at the owner of Next, 
you know, maybe like 10 years, it was probably like 10 years later. Yeah, ish. And um, suddenly going, wow, like, because I recognized we had office, suddenly this one office in New York became an office in Miami, an office in LA, an office in Toronto, obviously the New York office, Paris, Milan, they did not open until much later, but we had an office in London. And it's like, wow, when, when did that happen? You know, it's like, because when you're just living, living it day in, day out, you know, you don't, it's, it, it doesn't, you know, the changes that happen, they happen. But when you sort of step back and look at the whole picture, it's like, whoa, you know, pretty crazy. Yeah. We and you're that. part of that also, though. Not oh. only are you doing the things that you're talking about, that's why I'm trying to get a little perspective, because really you were also helping uh, as the offices opened and here's what we kind of do and here's what you want to look for and that kind of thing. Um, there, was a, there was a lot there of- were great Listen, there were great teams already in place and, and thanks to the owners of the company for those offices that, that you know, they made sure that the people that were there already kind of knew and, and knew what, what it was all about and what it needed to be and how to make it happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, that's good. So um, after 14 years, um, why did you suddenly decide to open your own company? Sure, so I, I, what I started to see happen in like the last couple of years that I was there, there was this kind of, um, there had always been a few casting directors, a few, maybe a handful, and, um, always great relationships, but I saw this kind of continued growth of the casting director and, and the casting part was one of the things I love to kind of do as an agent, you know, talking to the clients and brainstorming, like this is what we're looking for. And then thinking who could be right for this campaign or that job or this magazine shoot. And um, I felt like as these casting directors came into play more and more, they became like the middleman between the agent and the client. So there was like this sort of step, you know, between us and we weren't as involved in actually really casting. We were just kind of presenting our talent to the casting director who was then really sort of um, starting to make those decisions as to who they would really like to present to their client. And um, you know, it was a little frustrating. I thought, geez, I really, that's what speaks to me. So mm -hmm. at that point I thought, you know, maybe it's time to, to go with a, a leap of faith and, and do it, you know, start, start doing casting. And that makes sense as earlier we were talking about how you enjoy the street casting and getting to know the people and the, you're a very people person. And I mentioned it, um, we had spoken before this interview um, a couple days ago, and I talked about um, a moment where I said, you're just such a very kind casting agent. And you said, we don't need to talk about that. That's not important, but it is very important. And I won't go into the whole story, but you are a very kind casting agent, your patient, and, and all of the models, um, I think they're very reciprocal. I, I think they go above and beyond and they're just always so very nice. And it really is, it, it's a good thing to see. Not, not everyone is so kind. And I think they should be because um, it does reciprocate that. Yeah. Well, maybe that comes to from my years being an agent. You know, I, tr I have a, a sort of a deeper understanding, you know, of, uh, of them as people, you know, yeah. and I like them. Yeah. And it, and it really reaches them and you definitely, um, you, you've got some great, great models that you always bring and, and it's always a good fit. So um, has the process of casting changed since you started your company? Are you changing that within your own business? Uh, yeah, it has changed. I mean, you know, it's just getting more and more with the, with the technology, you know, we're relying more and more on technology for the casting process. So I found in the last couple of years, especially, oftentimes, 
um, clients are more interested in an electronic casting. So send me the portfolios. You know, you have to have a site up where you can send them everything at once. Um, and then they want to know, they love to see Instagram accounts. Um, you know, they want to know their social media following. They want to see what they're posting on Instagram. Um, so between social media and just general technology, yes, it has changed. I mean, you know, sometimes they don't need to meet that model on a proper go-see mm -hmm. like they used to, you know? I mean, you can do video now with your phone and send it off to them and they can see, but uh, so it has changed for sure. Which is good it was going that way with the pandemic because it is definitely yeah. that way now. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, when you say, and we talked about this earlier, the models have these social media presences. Um, are agents and clients looking at how many people those models are reaching? Is that part of their decision? Clients, yes, I find for sure, many okay. times. Um, agents, I think it can, I don't think it's exclusively what they're looking for, um, but I think it could sway them. I think if there's a model that they maybe were on the fence about, but they had a really big um, following, it, it could influence them, influence them, you know, in a way. Sure. I mean, I had a conversation with an agent like a couple years ago, and he said, you know, it's really sad to him because he comes from a, dip, you know, a time when there wasn't all social media. He said, but, you know, you have these beautiful, beautiful girls who show so much potential to really be models, you know, like a, that model like Christy used to be or Naomi or Linda, they, those supermodel girls, you know. And he said, you know, they might have like 2,000 or 3,000 followers. And he feels like, he said, I feel like they're never going to have that career just because of that. Right. That, that is unfortunate. And so it sounds like they're using the models, especially as maybe a smaller company, but also they're, they're bringing them in as a little bit of marketing. Well, they've always been brought in as marketing, ultimately. I mean, just in a, you know, it's just now it's even more, you know, more so because of, you know, because of the world of technology and social media. Yeah. And, and knowing that, how have the models changed um, over the years? Do you find that there's more diversity and inclusivity um, from like your days at Click to now or? I mean, we, know, we know that and there has to be, of course. And, and that's been written about, you know, extensively pretty recently. I mean, there's always room to make it grow more and more, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the whole thing of the range of body types has become more um, inclusive. You know, you see it on the runways, which is a great thing. Um, and you see it in magazines and you see, you know, there's, there's girls that are really very, very successful. So absolutely. And I mean, when I was an agent, I remember like with Asians, you know, you might have like three to five really that were in New York at any one time, you know? And now of course there's many, many more. And, and also with, you know, um, black and brown women, you know, and, and, Indian, and I think it's, and the Latina, as it should be because the world is changing and those people should have been recognized 25 years ago, you know, 30 years ago. Um, so thank God, you know, I think it's a great thing because to me, you know, beauty comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Correct. And it's, it's really nice to see those, those changes. As a matter of fact, I feel like I almost notice if there isn't a lot of diversity, it uh, stands out quite a bit now um, as, a, as a little bit uh, tone deaf or just yeah, a little bit old or dated. Um, you've had... Um, two castings last week. Yeah. How has the casting scenario changed during this pandemic? 
Well, it, it's sort of like you said earlier, kind of leading up to, uh, you know, th this whole idea of electronic and remote casting was already kind of in place, the technology. But I find that, um, you know, now more than ever, you know, that's kind of going to be the nature of things. That's what I found with like two, two very different types of castings. One was a very big commercial casting that we went across the country. So, um, you know, I had to get like video clips, video clips, video clips. And, you know, the client was good in that they sent something very specific as to what they needed. And I was able to get them, present them. And now that's all being, that's going to start happening. The shoot's happening like this week and next week. The other one was more of a fashion you know, mob, New York fashion model kind of thing. So the initial casting was um, electronic through portfolios and, and that sort of thing with digital images. And then we did do a very small request only casting where I had COVID-19, you know, we were following all the rules for COVID with distancing masks. And I had specific times for each girl, which you know, normally you might say come between, you know, in a half hour increment, you might have you know, 25 or 30 girls come in all at once and they wait their turn. Whereas this time I had, you know, I knew I had this many girls over the course of an eight hour day and they came in 10 minute increments within an hour. And um, when they came in, you know, they, they were able to take off their masks. I didn't need to see portfolios or anything like that because I had seen them all online anyhow. And I didn't need composites. And we did the pictures and in, in the, the video and, um, you know, we had social distancing. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff, like normally you see the models, they come in, you know them, you might give them a hug or a kiss or shake their hand or, you know, now it's all very like, hi, how are you? You know, virtual hug. Um, but, you know, you have to maintain your distance and everything. So it's, it's very different. And it's, uh, it's going to continue to be different for quite a while, I think, until this all gets resolved and people feel comfortable. And it's going to affect a lot of the bigger commercial castings. You know, that people, when people, you, I mean, I, there are castings that I've done where I've seen anywhere from 150 to 250 people in a day. And at that point, you simply cannot assign a specific time. You know, you have to give windows of time, but sometimes you can have 10 to 12 people waiting at any one time. So that's going to change. It's going to have to. What, what is the reaction um, with the casting through the video? Is that working? Are people responsive to that? What is yeah, I think they get it. They understand because they probably, you know, the, the talent that you're reaching out to, I don't think they want to put themselves in a, um, in a susceptible position either, you know, so they're happy to, to do that kind of a casting. And um, I think we talked about this. I was speaking to this one client last week and I said, you know, it's interesting because when you do a live casting and you bring the models in, you know, it's much more uniform because as the casting director, you're controlling the casting, what you need them to do, what you, what they should say, blah, blah, blah. You have your, you know, your seamless white background. And now when they're doing it on their own, you actually get a better sense in a way of who they are and their personality because it's, you know, they're, they're kind of producing it, so to speak. And even if it's like a four to six minute, four to six second clip, you know, you just get the vibe of who they are. And it's a little more raw sometimes, but I think it's kind of cool, actually. And that might change. Yeah. And that might change the type of models that are being chosen as well. Um, it's, it's just a different, it's a di whole different thing than being, you know, some people do really well. I, I would say like whether you're a comedian or something in front of the audience, they do, yeah. you know, and other people are okay with not being in front of the audience. And, and that is just the way that things are changing right now. Yeah.
and that the fashion shows or presentations very well are probably not in front of people also. Yeah, not in New York, not, not in September for the most part, right? No, sir. Well, I thank you so much, David, for coming on and taking the time to speak with me and everyone. I truly appreciate it. Like I told everyone, I put some videos, I'll add some more onto my YouTube channel and people can go and check out some of cool. the things that you've done, but there, there's so many, it's too many to list. Good, good. Well, thank, thank you for having me, Mary. I appreciate it. Cheers <laughs> to you. Stay well. Just take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And thank you all for attending this week's Behind Fashion series with my guest, David Milosevic. You can find him on Instagram at David Milo Casting. Uh, D-A-V-I-D-M-I-L-O Casting. His website is www.davidmilocasting.com. I will not have Behind Fashion for the next two weeks as I am in New York for a virtual fashion show. Please join me Wednesday, September 16th, when I go behind fashion with the CEO of LDJ Productions, Lori Dijon. See you all Wednesday, September 16th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, and 5 p.m. British Summertime. All the best to you and yours.